follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? Uh, good, Shad. Yeah. Um, well, I regained consciousness from our from today's <laughs> um, topic, but yeah. So, everybody out there, thank you for joining us for this episode. We appreciate you being here with us for this one. We want to get our shout-outs taken care of right here at the beginning. The first one's going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, Collar and Elbow brand.com use the promo code four corners podcast that's the number four capital c and corners capital p in podcast to save 10 percent off your order folks in east kentucky could use your help i'm going to recommend you go to appalshop.org apple shop if you feel inclined to help they are the people that are going to know where it need how to get it where it needs to go you know i almost pulled that off without stumbling on it our other shout out goes over to matt uh, that would be to Orlando Cologne. Uh, you know, guys, I'm considering uh, restarting the NWA tag tournament. Yeah. Orlando Please as don't. my tag partner. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we would we would arguably do a much better job than this. <laughs> what Oof. what dipshits does Billy Corgan have as the champs mm. right now? Mm. So we segued into two things real quick. Um. Oh, gosh. I don't even know who the uh, tag team champions. I don't know. Billy Corgan. What's current tag team champions? What is it right now? Let's NWA World Tag Team Champions all the way to the bottom. It's probably, uh, oh, La Rebellion has them again. Okay. That's not uh, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, they're they're okay. They're too good it, for... They're too good for Billy Corbin's NWA, honestly. You know, it, as long as it wasn't Tyrus holding two sets, we were ahead of where it could have been. Um, Didn't he and, like, Chris Adonis challenge for them at, like, the last ones? Because weren't people saying, like, get Chris Adonis the fuck out of the NWA because he deserves better? Like, he he seems to have matured a lot. He was decent uh, in his last WWE run. Did did he have a return after that first run? Yeah, in the late like part later part of like 2008 to like maybe like 2011 or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was in that area where I was um, not as tuned in. Yeah, and he got better. <laughs> I mean, he was getting better after that. He was just too green, I think, during the first run. He was huge and inflexible, and did it. It was like his they debuted him straight out of training onto the roster, didn't they? I think so. Like I was, I remember 
something about reading about that and going, why would you do this? But it seemed to me, seemed to me that they were in this place where they were so desperate for new people to get on the roster that they were grabbing for about anybody and pushing them way, way hard, way fast. It's because they had the brand split at the time, too. Is that, is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, um, I, I lack some context on that one but the other thing that we were segueing into matt that that was a segue because yeah we could do better um Hmm. we were finishing the dangerous alliance series great american bash 1992 would one of you guys like to set the stage a little bit here so I didn't. Re- I had totally forgotten we watched the first round of this tournament at the Clash of the Champions 19, I think. And um, this is like finishing that tournament off, plus giving us uh, Sting and Vader for the world title. Yeah. Now, you know what the hell of it is? I, I am someone who has said, I like having tournaments in wrestling because there's lots of stuff you can do. There's lots of ways you can go with it. You can build feuds out of matchups and things like that. The problem is um, if you stretch the tournament out too long, as we have seen time and again. Or if you do what WWE did with that stupid, like, let's make the the semifinals out of, like, all these multi-man matches, which I hate. So, Matt, if you could... You could pick a phrase to kind of encapsulate what we're getting ready to go into. What phrase would you pick? <sighs> Disappointing? Boring as like hell? When, when we were talking about doing this show, we decided to do this show because it's you know we're trying to finish up the Dangerous Alliance stuff. We're working through like 91, 92, WCW. Uh, which I have always been very excited about because, 90, again, I've told said it before, like from the very first like very shows, I was like talking about how and I got into wrestling and I, I got into wrestling like over of '92. Yeah. So like this period is like when I started getting into wrestling when I was a child, and so I'm really excited to revisit this stuff and watch it as an adult because to me, like I was just getting into it, everything was exciting. Yeah. Uh, so on paper, when we were talking about this show, on paper. I looked at the card. I'm like, wow, this like this looks good. It has like a lot of good workers on it. I, I can't wait for this show. And then we watched it. <laughs> and disappointing is is really the best way to, to to phrase it. Like I don't know what happened here. Bad wait, booking Matt, decisions. I think we need to clarify because you did not just disappointed is not the term. It was deep sigh disappointed. And it that was, is. It was – I was checking to see how I much time happened. I had on this show for the last hour and ten minutes of it. You just – Minus thing It didn't later. need to be that way. Yeah. No. No, it didn't. And I really do think – I agree with you. I, I think it's like just bad booking decisions. And I don't even mean like bad booking in the sense like, oh, this person shouldn't have gone over. The wrong person went over. No. The structural it's, like beginner mistakes were made on this show. Yes, yes. Shad and I were talking before the show, and we said any up-and-coming like indie booker should watch the show as a lesson in things you don't do. Yeah, there's... It's the best way I can put this. Um, 
there are things that are going to sound great on paper. Having guys but, appear three times on a show. Like super over guys appearing multiple times on a show sounds like a great idea. The problem is that it misses the human element of people, frankly, getting tired. Not even tired of someone, just getting tired in general. And so having you know the same some of the same teams show up three times also with some the phrase i'm looking for here is unmet expectations there are some unmet expectations that take place in this that really kind of drag you down yeah and well the, okay so there's a couple things there's a law of diminishing returns but there's also the concept of um you can put two really great workers on a show three times who are on a really hot streak where everything's good. But if you make mm-hmm. them work an hour across a three hour show, their matches are not going to be as good as they should be because they're pacing themselves. Yeah. That's part of the unmet expectations is that over the course of the show, there's a certain, like I'm expecting these guys to work this particular way. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Gotcha. But in that pacing, you're not going to get it. And then there's just the stylistic stuff that you would kind of expect from some of these guys that we didn't get to. Oh, yeah, we're going to get to that because I have yeah. I have things to say. So because, I mean, I will say this before we get into this. This match has the worst Ricky Steamboat match I've ever seen in my life. So, uh Everybody, buckle in. We yeah. are we're in for a bumpy ride. Um, so this starts off um, with a super hot crowd, and I have to say, Pillman and Liger get a giant pop when they come out. Mm-hmm. They do well. Yeah. So this 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 starts off with Koloff, Nikita Koloff, and Ricky Steamboat versus Jushin Thunder Liger and Brian Pillman, and it's really unfortunate that at Liger and Pillman didn't advance further because the crowd was like red hot for them and they were good. Well, I think yeah. they, I think they gotta be good because they didn't have to worry about wrestling for another 40 minutes on this show. Fair, but I mean, they were still good to the point where it's like, obviously nothing really became of that pairing, mm-hmm. but I'm like, if this was a different era, like if this was just, if this was randomly, if this was like, especially like AEW, modern day AEW, and you, you paired two of these guys like this at a crowd, like they had such a great, great reaction from the crowd and they paired so well. Mm-hmm. You would have seen Tony Khan be like, whoa, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta continue with this. Like I gotta do something with this. And like, you would have probably seen them be like a regular tag team. I would have, as Liger was like going to the back, I would have had the money bin just sitting there and being like, stay with us and this can be yours. Full yeah. of all the money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it should have been like, hey, let me talk to you for a second. Well, they were <laughs> they like pull them over to the side and it's like, look, here's a briefcase full of hundred dollar bills. Well, the problem is <laughs> like, they wanted to stay a little longer. They they were having Watts cut costs because he took their losses like while well, he was in charge from something like six million dollars to like two hundred thousand hmm. dollars. So so they that... weren't going to offer. I would have I would have if I would have gone to Turner and be like, look, this guy's over. Look at how marketable his look is. Like, I want to offer him half a million dollars a year. I, I We want to pay enough to keep this guy around because 
you know, he's he's going to bring in money for us. And if we start making Jushin Liger masks to sell and toys. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's turn of broadcasting. Hey, you guys could probably get the rights for this and do like an animated series. Oh, God, Jushin Thunder Liger guest starring in Captain Planet would be horrible. Yes, I know. <laughs> you know, Turner, do you know Turner um, canceled SWAT cats because of the violence and it was like super popular at the time? Yeah, I know it was super popular. My brother and I were watching it a lot, but we only got two seasons, I think. Yeah. Now, we'll say um, this Let's get more is- Captain Planet. This match is a great example of um, how you can be a great worker and it not involving moves because Nikita Koloff really shows his value as a good worker in this match by knowing his place. This match, it goes off very, very well, like Brad said. Like, Koloff, Koloff is not, you don't hear people bandy him as, quote, great worker. But there are four moving pieces in this and they all know exactly what they're doing and it works beautifully. Yeah. And the parts, the parts I really loved is when Steamboat and Liger are in the, the match together. <laughs> it, it It's, this is nice. Like the whole thing, this, this match just, just goes, it works. I like it. You know, I think throughout this whole this whole watch project, I think almost every show has had some stupid good tag match on it. That to me, like that was kind of like a, a hallmark of WCW back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of got away from that more like the mid to late nineties. Well, when Bischoff didn't it, like tag team wrestling. Yeah, it, it kind of got away from it, but like back when, again when I started watching wrestling in '92, like I, I felt like there was that. It was it was kind of transitioning too because as things progressed, you started getting like weird, not exactly classic tag teams, like pretty wonderful or things like that. But and so there was some tag wackiness, but I still felt like that was like a hallmark, especially of like uh, of late '80s, very early '90s uh, NWA slash WCW. Like I, I felt like tag team wrestling was very much a staple. And really, like, they they gave not only time to tag teams, but they really pushed them. And were using them to kind of stand out. And the WWF even kind of had, like, interesting tag teams, too. They had, like, a, a run in, like, the late 80s where they had, like, a, several tag teams. And they were distinct and unique and, and interesting to watch. But I felt that WCW did it generally really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt this is no exception. Like there was some tag teams on here that it's like classic tag teams. Like Steiner's, I think we, when we did a tournament, I, I think we put Steiner's as like the, the number one tag team of all time. Yeah. Uh, it would be interesting to see like, again, if we're doing it again, like if our opinions would change, like I think I still probably would. And I think that what we are interested in, in terms of like the styles of wrestling, like they probably still would be up there. They had some really good stuff in this. Right. Yeah, but I do, yeah. I do wonder uh, if when it's all said and done, how you know, modern day teams like the Young Bucks would stack up. Because I actually, you know, Cornette be damned. Like, I think the Young Bucks would actually stack up as one of the best tag teams of all time. I think uh, so. I would yeah. give the Bucks more credence if we redid it than I did the first time. Mm. 
like I said, I, I prefer Southern style tag wrestling to West Coast style tag wrestling, but I can recognize that they are very good. You have to you have to watch the Bucks because they, there's a lot of things when you see people criticizing them, and I mean Shad's fallen into this, and I've heard him say it more than once when someone will say something about them just being spot monkeys and not selling. Shad's the first one that says, "Tell me you haven't watched a Young Bucks match without telling me." You yeah. haven't watched Young Bucks match because Shad will say um, multiple times like they're not like necessarily my cup of tea, but those guys sell and they stooge and they're really good heels. Yeah, they stooge amazingly. Um, and incidentally, they throw half the super kicks the Usos do on, on average. And well, the, you know what so. the other thing is? That, so, like Nick sells so good that half the time people are like, did he get legit injured? It's like, no, he just sells well. Yeah, there was concern for a stretch whenever he came back. It's like, he's still injured. He shouldn't be out there. That doesn't mm-hmm. seem safe. That's not right. It's like, and, you know, you get this look and you're like, uh, because that's what happened with Brian Danielson way back in WWE is people were thinking, oh, you know, he was having a, like a, uh, a concussion, um, influence seizure. He was just selling really, really well. That puts Nick Jackson on the same tier of selling as Dan- Brian Danielson, right? Mm-hmm. So, but yes, but, they they throw they throw roughly forty two percent of the super kicks that the Usos do. Yeah, and you never hear anyone complain about the Usos doing it because reasons. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think recently Meltzer even like yeah. called it out. Someone was like trashing the Bucks. And well, they do Meltzer, super kicks. Yeah. yeah, Meltzer even pointed out it's like, no, the the, the Usos throw way more than, than the Bucks do, and they don't get the same, you know, They don't heat. get the same hate for it. Well, yeah. And, the, and the, what people don't understand, though, is where that meme comes from. Like, it was, when they were doing that, it was like a fucking meme joke it shows, was the super kick party. And yeah, yeah. they were throwing a bunch of super kicks, but, like, it was funny. Yeah, that was the joke. Meltzer, Meltzer made that point, and I went looking. It's, it was a, it was a way of, they were getting criticism at the time for throwing too many super kicks. So like, oh, you think we threw too many? So watch this, we're gonna have super kick parties. And then somebody, I don't remember if I found it through Twitter or Reddit, but somebody pulled an Usos match, a recent one. It might have been with. Um, Owens and Zane, and they had just turned the speed on it up. Like there weren't, there were no cuts in it that I could tell. Mm-hmm. And there was a like this is sped up. There was a two minute sequence where the Usos were on offense and all they did was throw super kicks. That was I, it. I honestly don't. I couldn't tell you any moves they do other than super kicks at this point. Splash. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, that's the that's um, that. I don't want to be reductivist because, you know, these are guys who've been, you know, tag champions in one of the biggest companies on the planet. But it feels like that you could sum up their offense of super kick splash, super kick splash. Yeah. And that's when, like, people are like, oh, no, this story is about, like, Roman and the Usos. Like, what, so the Usos can throw five gajillion super kicks while Roman spears them 8,000 times? Yeah. It's it's just anyway, beside the point, um, Koloff, Steamboat, uh, Liger and Pillman have a have a great match. 
And um, this is this is this is um, this is the apex, my friends. It's all downhill from here. Well, we have summited. No, not quite. I would not I, quite say that. I, I think um, I think Sting Invader is almost as good as this, but not quite as good as this. Well, we'll get to there. I would actually rank Sting Invader pretty high. Oh, I would too. I'm just saying, like, um, as far as the tournament goes, it don't get any better than this. Well, that's 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 really true. Like, this is the this was pretty much like the nader of the tournament. Like, yeah. it, it's the tournament only kind of only goes downhill from here. Yeah. So um, there was a joke I used to have with uh, one of the guys I'd wrestle with. It's like, well, what are we gonna do tonight? I said we're gonna start slow and taper off from there. Um, <laughs> this it, it they didn't start slow, but unfortunately it it did. by the way we were spared the dark match of Super Invader versus Marcus Alexander Bagwell. God, I hope they fix it. What I can't believe they can we like we talked about it, but how stupid was it to sign Hercules Hernandez and then put him under a mask? I I I do not know. I do not understand. Um. The I do not understand the logic of signing someone, especially to put them under that mask. Well, as someone with a name and putting them under a mask, it's not like you brought in some regional guy that's like big in Portland that isn't there nationally and putting a mask on him. Yeah, but if you're putting someone under a mask because it'll be marketable, I kind of get it. Like, you know, it's like, hey. We we know you could go. We know you could do the stuff, but this we think that this gimmick is going to take off more. Okay, I can kind of get that. But from the first time he showed up, we were like, this gimmick was put together out of stuff pulled out of other people's yeah. gym bags they weren't using. But I don't think you do that with a guy coming off of a successful run in a nat in the other national promotion, like literally no. right off a run in that other company. Did we? T- I forget if we talked about this before, but it's like, wh- why? Why did they put the mask on him? Like, I have no what idea. was what was the rationale behind that? I had always thought I knew he did the Super Invader thing, but I always thought it was like a one-off thing, and it's not. Like he's here for like six to eight months, isn't he? Yeah, because there's a, a multi-man match that has Big Van Vader, Super Invader, and somebody else. I can't remember who they're up against, and I wasn't watching at the time, and I mentioned something about a friend of mine. He goes, he goes, oh, no. I'm like, is Super Invader better? He goes, no. No, Vader, Vader's the guy. Super Invader's just some schmuck. I'm like, okay. Well, yeah. all right. He was, all, he was there, like, for a few months, but he was only there for, like, a little bit. I think uh, he's already been there for like two months now, and I, I think he goes a did, little longer. Uh, but I, I'm literally trying to brainstorm this. It's like, why did they even bring him in no to idea. begin with? And they gave him such a short run, and obviously maskless. Like, did was there like concerns that he uh, that he was he doing drugs at the time? Like, was there I concerns? No idea. That he, I, I don't know much about him past this point. I mean, I know he showed up in that. Um, Oh, that god-awful AWF thing we did. Oh, God. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Because he had that awful mustache. Yeah. He, uh, looking at, like, Wikipedia, this obviously is, like, not the be-all, end-all of 
documenting stuff, I'd have probably could, cage match would probably be more accurate. But yeah. it looks after that after this uh, in '93 is when he went to uh, New Japan for a couple of years, and that's when he was uh, tag teaming with Scott Norton as the Jurassic Powers, which I haven't really seen a lot. I haven't really seen stuff there, but just like that's seems like it'd be awesome. In theory, it's like two big burly guys. I I know we watched what Brad called the pinnacle of Scott Norton's career and stuff, and maybe it wasn't as great as as you might. Have, but I honestly think that that Scott Norton should have been a bigger thing than he was in the states. Um, we we I think probably talked about it a little bit, the, yeah. The Scott Norton episode, but yeah, like thinking back, like Scott Norton. Just wrong place, wrong time. Like he was in, he did something in New Japan and in Japan. But I mean, he was a little like, by the time. So I think he came a little too late for what he was because you know the AWA was dying and he was Scott Flapjack Norton there and doing a lumberjack yeah. gimmick. And then he went to Japan where he's super successful, and then. He was a little successful in WCW, but I think by the time they were really pushing him, he just didn't have enough bells and whistles to really, like, get to the top. Yeah, I mean, given his size and, like, the way he works and everything like that, if he had – the timeline, again, the timeline didn't work out. But if he yeah. – even, I guess, like, very, very early 90s, like, if he had been in the WWF, like, he could have probably had a run – for a year or so as like the monster heel facing up against Hogan. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause I mean, he is, I, other guys were, I would say better workers like, like John Tenta earthquake was a better worker. Yeah. But like, he could have probably had like the John Tenta esque spot for like a year or so. Like he could have had like a good career in WWF. And uh, I know we've like game, we've kind of theorized, you know, recently, uh, how would, you know, classic air quote classic workers fair, like the modern day era. Like if he was like just getting to the business now. Yeah. Like I actually think he'd do quite well. He uh, he's actually was a, a good worker, but I, I do wonder at the same time, it's like, well, would he be used essentially as like Braun Strowman? I, I don't think WWE would be into him in that look. I think he'd be like an AEW in new Japan right now. I think he'd mm-hmm. be like, I think he'd kind of have like that kind of career Jeff Cobb has, because mm. that would that would be kind of my um my analog to like a modern day Scott Norton. And Jeff Cobb's not bad. No, no, he's actually I, he's a good worker. Jeff Cobb is just I think hurt by the fact that he's a little shorter than people think he is. I think that I would foresee Scott Norton as he was in current day as kind of having a. Walter Gunter esque kind of aura about him is the like takes no crap, just beats the crap out of guys, scary dude aura. Um, that that's what my read on it would have would be. So you're uh, saying um you're saying he'd be in WWE getting like all these Nazi um <laughs> things oh, dropped even to his hopefully not that. But, Even uh, his video game rating was like some like weird oh, Nazi. Yeah. And uh, like, that was yeah, he gave me like an eighty-eight, which that like, we, has all sorts I, of like uh, connotations. What is there? Yeah. What, why are they so stuck on doing that stuff with him? At this point, it's been like three or four times. It, 
it can't be the old yeah you remember the old like uh a goldfinger quote it's like once this happenstance, twice is coincidence, like three times is enemy action. Like it's a little too much. Like they, yeah. someone there yeah. is intentionally doing this because they they find like the constant Nazi references amusing to them. There's no other way to. I that's how I take it. I think Either that or they're they're they don't like him and they're trying to do something to get, you know get him torpedoed. But I the way I see it is Norton could fit in in kind of a similar role. Mm. I would have liked to have seen him more. In um in the NWO era is like the go to mid card enforcer because you didn't see him doing a whole lot you know he's like ah we're doing the NWO promo segment and he's just kind of wandering around in the back with the others going they flew us all the way out here for this um they did a little more with him in like '98 I thought but that was kind of when things were fading yeah but it, it's the way I see it is if if you had had him as the go-to mid-card bruiser that the NWO six on people like, Hey, you want to get a shot at whoever, take your pick. You know, if you want to get a shot at Henning, who's got the U S title, you got to go through Norton or you want to get and And it, it, do kind of a Ming esque build with him. So he murders guys who aren't on his level, but then, has really rough and tumble match, you know, really like competitive matches with guys who the idea is they've got to get past him kind of stuff. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, yeah, I wish they had done more of that because I think that would have been a really good role for him. But, you know, they didn't ask me. So, <laughs> God, Jimmy Garvin got a tryout with the WWF after this run. What? Ugh. OK, so up next we have um Hiroshi Hase and Shinya Hashimoto versus um, the Fabulous Freebirds. So I have to say, um, I really appreciate Jim Ross, um, especially on this run, that he does not, and I think he did this in Mid-South too, but he does not resort to like racial stereotypes so much when talking about people. That's true. And he likes... He, he likes to date the background. And this he is... doesn't. I did actually uh, this match or one later. I think it was this match. I heard uh, Jesse talk about how like Shinya Moss, like that guy, like likes his rice. It's like that's he did it twice of, like, because Ross didn't rice, Ross didn't bite on it, so he said it like a second time to try and get something out of him. And you could tell Ross mm-hmm. was like rolling his eyes. But where I noticed it on this show too is like Jesse kept referring to them as like the Japanese team and. Jim Ross kept referring to them by their names. Yeah. Well, and it kind of fits because Ventura is playing the heelish thing and Ross is playing the the legit thing. So it kind of works, but it's also a little bit grating. Um, in, the, in my categories, it's a little bit grating to hear with, with modern ears. It's like, mm, Jesse, you didn't – you don't have – You Jesse, don't have to. Yeah. I, I will say he did break character when Hase busted out that Northern Lights suplex. Yeah. He was he was blown away by how good that was. Yeah. But I, I noticed um I noticed I think someone told Jimmy Garvin, like, bro, you need to behave or they're gonna beat the shit out of you because he kinda behaved in this match. I think Hase did. There's a spot early on where like they're they're doing this thing and Garvin is 
he doesn't seem to be working with him well, and he does this trip, and Hase gets up, puts him in an arm ringer, holds the wrist, and then just chops the living piss out of him three or four times. And then Garvin tags out. And he, I can imagine the tag out discussion with, with, with uh, Hayes. He's like, God, what's their problem? And Hayes is like, you can't do that with these guys. Well, remember remember the, the one with Silver King and El Texano where, like, they were doing all this stuff and he just immediately tagged out because he was so out of his depth. Yeah. But Matt made a good point about this match. Um, do you want to make it about poor Michael Hayes? I, watching this, I actually felt very bad for Michael Hayes because he, like, he was basically at the tail end of his, like, in-ring career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I mean, he still had a little bit left to go in the tank, and he really seemed like, at least this match, and, and really some of the stuff that we've been watching, like 91, 92, with the free birds, it seemed like he's kind of wanted to make a go of it, like try and do some stuff, try and work. But Jimmy Garvin just was, like, not not the partner for him. He wasn't doing it. He came before. to play with um, Silver King and El Texano, and I feel like he kind of came to play in this match, too. He did kind of, kind of do it. But, I mean, I... I I talked to you guys. I'm like, I think Michael Hayes deserved better <laughs> at this point yeah. in time. Like he, I mean, if they he, had paired he, him with a different partner, he could have been like done a little bit more. He uh, legit he checked out. Physically. He legit worked his butt off with Silver King and El Texano, and I thought that match was pretty decent because he was giving them a lot. Like he gave them a metric shitload of of offense in that match. Yeah, and he respected them. Well, I think he and... respected these guys too because I think he told Garvin's like, you can't. Like, dude, like, they're going to, like, you see that Hashimoto guy over there? He's going to beat you senseless if you do this yeah. crap. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think that conversation happened mid-match. But, um, you know, it's, it's, Garvin does, he behaves, but it's another case where he doesn't do a lot. Yeah. Um, no, his, his uselessness. His uh, ever apparent. <laughs> has he been? Has he yeah. been the worst part of this whole watch? Uh, he's not been great. I think I would take Van Hammer over him. Uh, Van Hammer's the complaint against Van Hammer is at least be like excuse the way that Van Hammer was still like green as hell. Van Hammer yeah. at least tried. Yeah, Jimmy Garvin uh, had been around for years and years and years, so like there's no real excuse. Um, he'd been. Let me look real quick. Cause he had been probably uh, 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 when did he debut? He had been a um, twenty-four year veteran at this point because he debuted in sixty-eight. Twenty-four. Yeah. Jeez. So uh, let me look at this. How how the hell old was Jimmy Garvin when this was happening? <laughs> uh, he was. Well, he, was he was almost as old as Bobby Fish. He was forty. Jimmy Garvin wasn't like long in the business after this, and then he became like a pilot. Because I remember like there was some, I want to say like '93, '94 WCW show, and it was supposed to be like it was supposed to be Michael Hayes and, and against Johnny B. Bad. And for some reason, like I'm sure it's because like Michael Hayes was injured or something, like his ingering career was basically done. So like Jimmy Garvin, I guess, subbed for Michael Hayes, and he looked nothing like he did here. He had like short hair and a, a mustache and he looked just like a, like a guy. 
Uh, and, and I remember, like, when I watched that match, I was like, Johnny Bad is taking too much shit from this guy. Like, Jimmy Garvin yeah. was, like, getting too much offense on him. I remember, I think Cornette told a story that um, Bill Watts, maybe Bill Watts told the story, but Bill Watts got pissed at him in Mid-South because he was doing, like, a best-dressed man thing in the promotion, then he'd be walking around town in, like, flip-flops and, like, just looking like a hobo. Hmm. And Watts was like, like, can you fucking wear better clothes in public, please? I, I could see the um, the justification being, no one's going to recognize me in this. <laughs> yeah. I could see Watts's being... I could see Watts's aggravation at that, though. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying that it's right. I'm just saying I could understand what the response probably would have been. And I kind of, going back to a Watts thing that people really, I think, people misunderstand to a degree and kind of criticize him for. But, like, the whole, his whole thing is, like, if you get in a bar fight and lose, like, you're fired. And people, like, use that against him um a lot like acting like you know he you know making it something that's not nice i was kind of thinking like well this kind of telling guys like don't get into fights and if you're gonna get in a fight make sure you know how like you're actually gonna win but i kind of i kind of see it more as a behavior selves it's the way i look at it is it's a product of a very different time it's the like what you said, if you're going to get in fights, you damn well, damn well better win them. Also, there's a certain amount of protection that we need to have for our guys. And you're I'm in the gonna... fucking backwoods of Mississippi and Louisiana. Like, you do not know what kind of <laughs> raw bone, like, backwoods, like, redneck you're dealing with. Like, so. Yeah, yeah so behave yourself or if you're not going to behave yourself you damn well better win because you know if you're going to write that kind of check i'm not going to cash it like i can kind of see it it's i don't think it's quite what people make it out to be but whatever i think people especially now are really bad about looking back on even things from 30 years ago and putting too much like modern sensibility into it Mm -hmm. and just not realizing no the world was different back then like just accept it there's a the the culture changes over time drastically and there was i remember having a conversation with a group of high schoolers once who were just just furious about christopher columbus and i was just like "Eh, whatever and they're like don't you know what he did i'm like guys this is centuries back everyone did that i have i have only so much ram in my brain, I can only I only have so much bandwidth to care about stuff. And something that happened four or five hundred years ago like that sucks. But I frankly cannot bring myself to care when I have other things to worry about. Um, it, you being mad that Bill Watts did that. It's like, dude, you, if you want to be mad about something that happened decades ago be mad about tuskegee or something yeah don't be mad about bill watts telling guys that if they're going to be wrestlers and getting fights nut up or shut up right (laughs) yeah and it's like it was like it was a harder like era back then like people were just the harder people and like even with the christopher columbus thing it's like everyone did that that like 
went around. Yeah. Like, and I think the phrase I'm looking for, I'm not, I'm not even necessarily going to use the phrase harder. I'm going to use dumber because just getting into a fist fight is a potentially lethal occurrence. It's dumb to do, and it does not happen as much as it used to, which is good. Um, but, you know, we didn't know stuff like that back then. But we didn't understand, like, the concept of brain damage and stuff. Like, it was just... Yeah, we didn't know. So, hey, were I in Watts's position, my answer would be, look, we're going to do it this way. We're going to find... You guys want to go and hang out and that sort of stuff? We're going to find some quiet, friendly venues that are friendly to us that you guys are going to go hang out at because I'm not having you go down to the broke spoke on Main Street in, you know, um, Tupelo and then get into it. And it's like I'm not I'm not putting up with that. I'm investing this much off you guys. We're going to make how much money here. I'm not putting up with that. I'll put some effort into finding some a quiet place for you guys to hang out instead. Yeah, but. But, you know, Watts was focused on other things, so yeah. whatever. So then um, up next we have Steve Austin and Rick Rude versus Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham. So this is where this is where the problems with the show really start, in my opinion. Because we've seen some combination of these guys wrestle each other probably five or six times at this point. And it's always good. And this was still pretty decent, but not as good as the other ones. Because... Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham have to wrestle for like an hour on this show. Yeah. Dustin's got to carry a lot of load because he I think he takes the heat like three times on the show. It it uh, he really equates himself, though, this watching this. It really made me appreciate Dustin more. And I, I can say that like back in the day, it's like you were just watching it. Like I was a fan of Dustin, uh, but because he was he was young, he was exciting. But watching it now as an adult, having way more, you know, years of experience with Dustin, just with wrestling in general, it's like, wow, this guy was always good. He's pretty much always good. He was so damn good in in early 90s WCW. He was. Like, believable. Yeah. He was like a believe baby face. He was a good worker. He had, like, the size. Like, he could, he if they, I mean, he, for whatever reason, like, moved to WWF. Uh, but if he had, like, stuck with it's so it's like a, a big what if because obviously like things were transitioning with WCW but if he had stuck around it's like what would have happened like he could have been like a he could have been like a top face for really for the WCW uh, mm-hmm. even there was weirdness there with Bischoff and with Bischoff the changes he was making and I guess Vince never like saw him that way but I mean it's he could have been he could have been great he was great he's great now but it's like he he uh he, he could have done more oh that's what got okay so dustin i had forgotten about this dustin left in 95 because there was he was in the <clears throat> one and only king of their own match with the black top bully where both guys bladed which was against company policy and they both got fired it, so in um, this one it was, it was pre-recorded too yeah so Barry Darso and Dustin Rhodes bladed in a match that took place on the back of a truck driving down the road. Oh, that match? Yes. When they, he was the black when he was going Dustin was against a Darso as the blacktop bully. Yes. Yeah. And 
that got them fired for blading in that match. And a, and a pay-per-view called Uncensored. Yes, yes. I don't understand that, though. So, um, I thought that was just a Turner TV thing. Who cares if it's on pay-per-view? If, all I have in front of me, it, it, it was against... It was against corporate policy in WCW at the time. Well, it's because it so, was a Turner thing. Yeah. Can I mention two things? Yeah. With this, I, either this match or the match before, uh, Shad, I popped for this. Yeah. But but there was there was a discussion, a whole discussion, as brief as it was, between Jesse Ventura and uh, <laughs> and Jim Rass about what. A, polecat is yeah. <laughs> and you have to really be southern or have like southern family as i do like i was born and raised in the dc area yeah but my my family's really from augusta georgia yeah and my like whenever we would drive down especially if we drive down we would drive occasionally from dc to augusta and you could whenever there's a polecat in, in the area he's traveling or got hit by a car or something like that you, you, you smell, smell it polecat yeah and a polecat's basically uh, basically a skunk. I don't yeah. know if it exactly is a skunk. Or it's just yeah, like it's another a skunk. It's just a. It has like a musk. No, it's it's slang hand. for a skunk. I thought everyone knew what a polecat was. I don't know though. I think it might be like a regional thing. Oh. And the other thing uh, with this match, particularly the the Barry Windham uh, Dustin versus uh, versus Rude and Austin. Uh, at the very beginning of this, or some point like early on in the first half of the match. Like Ventura gets like so upset. He's like, "Why is he still having? Why does Barry still have a tape fist, Jim Ross? That's been what nine months since he hurt his hand." It's like he's like yeah. so apoplectic about that. It's not even that taped either. It's not, and the um, it, him just kind of going off on it's like, I know what you're doing, Jesse, but I mean, come on, it, this this seems like you're you're scrambling for something to. Jesse's so weird on these shows because he goes from being uber annoying to being fine to mm. good. Like he, because I thought in general he was pretty good on this show mm-hmm. for the most part. But man, sometimes he goes like just full stupid, and it's really aggravating. Yeah, it it, it is it is frustrating to um to behold. And it's really annoying because like Ross. Doesn't I mean Ross will play ball with him for certain things, but if he goes too stupid, Ross won't play ball, which I think is the proper response. Even though I know I think Jesse doesn't like him because of that, but yeah, um, Jesse gets frustrated because he he doesn't get to. But like, you know, but I mean, he should at this point he should know where where like Ross won't reply. I don't think he can help himself. I honestly don't think he can stop himself from doing it. He, he, you know, it's his gimmick. It's what he does. But it's like he really doesn't need to do that. Yeah. So up until this point, um, I'm okay with the show. I'm just like, okay, we're in the early goings. Um, you know, this is whatever. Um, yeah, I was like, this is pretty mid. The opener was good. The other two matches are kind of eh, but it's still early. So then, um, then the next match happens. Uh, let, me, let me let me interject. Uh, I actually, because I'm I'm grading this like fairly. Yeah. Uh, first match I thought was awesome. Uh, the Freebirds match was just there. I didn't really like it. It was okay for what it was. I thought it, it was okay for what it was. I at least appreciated that the the Freebirds actually tried. I think that they get some points on my end, but it's and not it was really short. good. 
it really wasn't. It was like a 10 minute match. It's just, it's I mean, it was short for this. to everything yeah. else here. Yeah. Um, this match, the, the Wyndham Rhodes, Rude and Austin match, I actually thought was good. Like if this was, you can argue like it should have been better given like who was involved with it. Yeah. Uh, but, and it was everything about this show. I thought it was long. weak contextually, but it wasn't a bad match. It was just weak in context to what we've seen. That's fair. And I, yeah, that's I, fair. I, I, do, I do think that the, the match itself was good. Now, notice what I'm saying. It's good, not great. Yeah. Like I would, I would rank, I would rank that the, the, the Pillman Liger steamboat Koloff match, like quite good, like very good. I'd give four stars to the opener. Yeah. I probably would give that too. Like it's a very, very good match. This, yeah. I would, if, this like I'd give like two and three fourths to. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's, it's good. Like if this was on a TV show, yeah, you'd like be if this was the it. main event for like Dynamite, and I've talked again before a lot recently about how like I think Meltzer kind of tends to overrate stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it just the whole like looking at history, like the last like twenty years of of wrestling, WCW, Nitro, WCW, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, ECW, and also in recent years like wwe and and even aew it's like if this would this could have been like a main event on any like given tv show and it would have been fine it would have been good yeah like he would have liked it you would have probably talked about like oh yeah they had that great match you know whatever date that was it probably would have been this era especially on wwf tv if this had been on tv in WWF, it probably would have been the best match on TV for that year and probably the last couple of years for free TV, we're talking. And if it yeah. was WCW, there's a chance it wouldn't have been the best match on TV on any given year because they threw some good stuff on TV, but it would probably be top five at worst, like top eight, like mm-hmm. on any given year up until the cruiserweight showed up. So, I mean, in context, like for the era, it's probably in like the upper half for North America of stuff. Like it's, it's good. Like what people, people get this weird idea when you start snowflaking things, which I hate because to me, when I, when I snowflake things is when you get to two stars, you're in average territory. And when you start getting above two stars, like you're getting into good, like, where you like the cutoff point for what I would when you I start considering something good is like three stars. So saying this is two and three four stars means it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it probably varies for different people. Like if a match is at least like I I'd say a, if a match is like two stars at least that it's like. Fine, it's like average. Yeah, you won't. Two and a half is probably my metric for being like, oh, it's it's good, but it's like a soft good. Like it's three stars, I would say, like is unqualified, like good. It's um three star to me is like your dime a dozen good. Like what? Like today, if like three star to me is like, well, that's good. But like, if I did a list at the end of the year, I would probably forget this exists and it wouldn't make like my top anything. But it was good. Yeah. It was entertaining. It, it's your it's your standard above average stuff. Yeah. Like the I get what you guys are saying. There's a scope missing 
for a lot of rating stuff of what what is average what is like middle of the road yeah video game scoring has this problem now where yeah anything below an eight is bad it's it's not but it's like great inflation um you the this rating system is inflated so much that you don't have um a, a balance you don't have a calibration that's the word i was looking for yeah you don't have a calibration for what's all right you don't have a calibration for this is average this is okay i know i've said it in the past it's like you can have a match it's fine and that's fine have a match it's fine not every match is going to be you know a banger or every match is going to be you know over over the top yeah you end up in a situation where like it, let's go to video games where um, a bunch of games get in the 50s that have merit to them. And then a real bad game like Redfall comes out and it's also a 50. And it's like, but that other game you gave a 50 because you wanted to quantify it as disappointing is like not as bad as Redfall. Like it actually works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that means that you've got. Um, yeah, that means that you've got an error in your rating system. Yeah. You you would need to go back and be like, uh, to the other, uh, other game and be like, I have to revise my rating on this one. Yeah. Or if you want to, if, if like you're a, like a reviewer that like loves to give things zero, like, okay, you want to give this game a zero. The first question you have to ask yourself, if you want to give this game a zero, is it worse than Superman 64? Because that's like the bog standard of like what a zero should be. That's, that's kind of like how, um, it's kind of how like that's that's why um I wish wrestling had like like in baseball you have like the Mendoza line which is like considered the bog standard line of competence. Mm-hmm. And I wish wrestling had that for yeah. like, ratings. Because they're like I said they don't have it calibrated. They're just saying this is you know this is whatever. It's like. You have got to have that calibration point, like you said, the Mendoza line or whatever. Like worst, best, middle of the road, and then rate them relative to that. Because if you don't do that, then you're going to lose perspective and your rating system's going to be all over the place. It's why we don't star much on here, because like the one thing I've really said about this show when we've gone back and, and watched a lot of this stuff, especially Territory Days, is like everyone's good like they're not good they're not all good in the way that like someone today would think with moves and work rate and stuff but you have guys like nikita koloff who we said in the first match knew exactly what he should do like there's a lot of guys we've watched that you know by what i think the smart idea of good is like they wouldn't qualify but like watching it even with a bit of shad's eye of like as a worker like We've seen very few like incompetent buffoons. Like we've seen mostly good workers on this show. If we're not mm. watching some like podunk like AWF with the jobbers or like the GWF with some of the guys they like scrapped up. Like, yeah. If it's a if it's a big league or like a mainstay territory, uh, uh, you know, with a few exceptions, like most of the vets are good. You wouldn't get on TV if you if they didn't trust you to hold your own in most cases. Yeah. So, 
That's the way I think about it. And it's kind of why we don't rate stuff because a lot of the matches like that we would probably rate in like the two and a half to like three and a half territory that are forgettable, like have a lot of merit to them. And there's a lot of good stuff that happens in them, but they're just not like uber remarkable, but they're not bad either. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think um, this upcoming match is a good example of how the work can be good, but the match might not be. Oh God. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to get into a pet peeve of mine and I'm just going to get this out of the way now. So, uh, Terry Gordy and Steve Williams on this show. Well, and, and now in conjunction with the Steiner matches, I'm not digging this run that they're having at all. I felt bad because I, I hyped them up. Like the Miracle Violence Connection is like, you know, one of the best tag teams of all time. And folks, I swear to you, they are, they're really good. They're just, whoever, who, someone got in their ear on this, on this yeah, promotion. Yeah, it's like, they they are such a different tag team in Japan. Because this is my problem with what's going on here. And this is this goes back to my pet peeve episodes. So they come in, they do these fired up promos. They have this aura about them. And they are great until they get in a ring. Because you have these big bad hosses who you want to see do hoss shit and just beat people up. They go in there and then they do limb work. And more limb work. And more limb work. And then when you think they can't possibly work a limb anymore, they, they fucking do. work. Yep. Yeah. So my problem is, like, this, what they're doing with them is, like, if in the Attitude Era, you had Steve Austin do all the Steve Austinisms and then go out there and work the leg for 20 minutes. It is what has bothered me. I said this to Brad before we got started, but it is what has bothered me about Becky Lynch since she has really, you know, kicked into main event gear. And I, I won't take that away. You know, her attitude changed. She carried herself differently and it carried through and it really pushed her. But you're going to tell me I'm, I'm the man, I'm the, you know, I'm the badass for my division, all this sort of stuff. And then go in there and not just beat the hell out of the other person. It's like, don't, I, I, I that has always been a disconnect for me. And here we have, you know, Terry Gordy and Dr. Death and Dr. Death, you know, the Oklahoma stampede, Dr. Bomb, stiff, strong, all, you know, such a, such a tough guy. They thought he was going to win brawl for all. And we don't get any of that. They even kind of, I don't want to say promise it, but they, they tease that in their promos. They're like, no, I'm going to be the, we're going to wreck them. We're going to run them over. We're going to tear them apart. I'm paraphrasing. <clears throat> and then they just don't. And, and they're having this, this, and it's, it's not as sub like, I know we've talked about Andre doing it, but Andre did it as a counter strategy. Andre did it to Stan Hansen as a, Oh God, I can't just like, overwhelm this guy i've got to change tactics these guys are doing it straight out of the gate on people let me look on people that well like with ricky Steen, they outsize ricky steamboat they don't really outsize nikita koloff but they outsize ricky steamboat and instead of getting shoot i don't know 
you know, just running them over and then having a match where they go in the course of the match, they're just running all over steamboat. And then Koloff comes in and starts, you know, wrecking them because they weren't ready for him to come in and do that. And then they switch tactics. They just do it from the beginning. And it is not fun to watch. No, it is so boring. And the crowd is just dead. Yeah, this uh, – well, I am not as, I guess, severe as Brad is where it's like this is the worst steamboat match I've ever seen. Like I, I – I don't think it was like that level, but it just – it did nowhere near need to be this long. Mm-mm. And it just wasn't good because it, it, it really is like this is – this was the booking is so off with this and the booking is off in the way that, that Brad like in, in chat, I have explained, it's like you want two big hosses to be hostastic. You want them to go in there and just like wreck shit. Yeah. And that's not what happened. Someone, someone is telling them they want them to be like legitimate athletes and like to mm. sell them like, like amateur wrestlers, which, you know, people would get a big, bad, you know, rock hard, hard on about now. And, um, and so that means doing limb work and stuff, and it's boring. It is – this show, Brad and I were talking a little before we got started. We referred to a lot of this show as unmet expectations, and this is part of it. We expect to see the Miracle Violence Connection run rough shot over people and kick ass. And we get not that at all. We get – like all of the matches that you like so many of the matches on this card you look at and you're like, I'm expecting this kind of thing. It's like, well, you're not really going to get what you expect. Um, yeah, it's like too bad you don't get what you want. You don't even get kind of what we had built towards. Too bad we hired Rian Johnson to write this show. <laughs> Yikes. But. It's just boring. Like, I, I'm sure there's a worse Steamboat match out of there, but I was so bored watching this. Like, there was not a moment of entertainment to be had. Not really. Because, I mean, if, if we were, if we were, well, you know, I was going to say I would give this a dud. And I might take that back and bump this up to half a star because the main event was worse. That was a dud. This was better than the main event not by much but it was better it's it's not good uh i don't know if i'd rate it a dud but it's not good it's sub a star in my opinion i would i would have to fine tune it but it's sub a star for me yeah yeah it's it's it has disappointing it has no merit in its existence it you know what? I'm going to put it this way. If it had been anybody else, it may have been all right. If this had been like the Malenkos versus like Silver King and El Texano, I would probably give it like a star and a half. The problem, like Shad said, is the unmet expectations. Like it's Dr. Death, Steve Williams, Terry Gordy and Ricky Steamboat in a ring together. It should be better than this. That's why mm-hmm. I'm rating yeah. it so low. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate. This would be like and, this would be like if you went up 
to Jack Kirby and like commissioned a piece of art and he drew you a stick figure. It could be a really nice stick figure, but it's like you're Jack Kirby and you just gave me a stick figure. Like this sucks. <laughs> Whereas like if a, if a five-year-old came up and gave you a stick figure, you'd probably be like, Oh, this is so cute. And you know, blah, blah, blah. And look at the little house. Like this it's, is it's nice. About, yeah. yeah. It's about expectations. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, but um, there we are. So yeah. now speaking of, do? speaking of no energy, um, Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham against Hase and Hashimoto. This, uh, this existed. I, yeah. And it was fine. No heat. Yeah, there was no. No, the crowd was dead. Like, dead, yeah. dead, dead. Uh, it was probably dead after the Dangerous Alliance match. Uh, and the, it, the only, like, Sting Vader got him back. That's because that uh, was awesome, though. And, and Sting and it Vader was awesome. were good this, at their job. This was just kind of there. It, 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 I don't. I wouldn't say it was a bad match. It was just like a nothing match. It's like for all the people involved who were all good workers, like it just was like very anticlimactic. Yeah. It, it illustrates to me, there's a bunch of stuff on the show that illustrate. There are some people who will claim, cause I've seen them and I think they are very, very wrong. Who will claim that a good match is good independent of the crowd. No, 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 no. 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 No, it is not. If you do not have the crowd buy-in, I don't care what the hell you're doing. Nobody cares. You can have crowd buy-in on crap, too. And you can have crowd buy-in on stuff I hate. Okay. But you cannot have a good match if the crowd's not bought into it. And No, because you, know, you did something wrong. Like, te- technically, I'm making air quotes, technically... Hogan Andre is not a good match, but it is an epic spectacle of a match. And the crowd is so into it and it is so big that it, it like like I said, air quotes technically doesn't matter. Remember you know, it was um I, it was Jared Rockley who was on our show was talking about some show and two guys came in that were working a match out to try out for Ring of Honor or something. He's like, yeah, they had a they they did a Ring of Honor match um, in front of one of our crowds and it just fucking died because the crowd wasn't into it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. that sounds awful. Yeah. Yep. And that's that is absolutely absolutely true. I have seen it before. Um. I have accidentally done it before, not because I was trying to be like, oh, we're going to have a work rate match. It's like we're doing this. And we were trying to have a serious match and the crowd just really wanted to laugh that night. But I I don't know about anybody else, but I didn't read it. And the other person I was working with didn't read it. So we didn't do anything silly. I just feel like if I was in the situation and the crowd wasn't doing anything, I'd be like, OK, Shad, like just kick me in the balls and like, let's just let's go home. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, let's like, um, I know it would be like a local crowds like, Hey, um, what's his face is over there in the second row. Let's fuck with him. And like, if we get him agitated, it might get the crowd going. It, it would be a, 
like, let's say you and I are out there. Okay, here. Alex Angel and I had this happen. We were working. It was, this was kind of a feather in my cap because it was supposed to be a tag title match on a three promotion show. Like, this was a three promotion super show, two ring uh, battle royal at the end of it, all that kind of stuff, right? Like, big thing. It was supposed to be a tag title match. And Alex's partner didn't show, and my partner was hurt, and so it didn't happen. And they're like, well, you guys just go have a singles match. We were the only match on that card that did not have belts on the line. And we go out there, and we're doing stuff, and in the middle of it, you hear this one one person in the crowd go, boring, and Alex says to me in a headlock, he goes, that little son of a bitch. And I said, all right, what do you want to do? And he goes, shoot me off, give me a big lariat. And Alex had... Alex has this cell that he would do where he would kind of do this corkscrew. It wouldn't be a backflip, but it would be this corkscrew bump. So I shot, I pushed him off. I hit the ropes on the other side and I swung one of the biggest lariats I've ever swung in my life, hit him with that. And the crowd was like, Oh, and he was coming up and I was like, no more rest holds tonight. And he goes, no, we ain't doing that. Like we adjusted on the fly there, but you know, sometimes you just don't read it in time or you're I, not sure what's going on. Cause I, well, yeah, I mean, there's going to be misreads, but I feel like in this situation, like I would rather have the crowd chanting boring at me than doing nothing. Because at least if they're chanting boring at you, they're engaged on some level to shit on they're it. They're paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you can kind of go with it and, and work with it or, you know, even piss them off more by being even more boring, which that happened. Someone said that happened in a show once they were doing that. The guy's like, okay, I'll show you boring. Then puts someone in a headlock for like five minutes. Yeah. You're going to chant boring at me. I'm going to show you boring and just locks on that rear chin lock and lays down. It's like, yeah. Well, and I told you like I was at an NXT show and they were like giving it to big show really hard. And he got on the house mic and he really just like, went with it and like started like screwing with the crowds. Like, Hey guys, I like, guess what? They signed me for 10 more years mm, and yeah. just like was doing like the, like a 10 like hand signal <laughs> and like, but it was getting heat though. And I mean, I just think, I just think the crowd is important. And if you're, if the crowd's not responding, you're doing something wrong. Like yeah. sometimes you can't get the crowd back and like, there's just nothing you can do, but like, if you're actively doing something like you're you're like if, if you're sitting there working the arm for 10 minutes, the crowd is dead. Like you did something wrong. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, that's that's why I grump about old vets who all they want to do is like, oh, we'll go work. Duke and I griped about it together when we had Duke on um, Duke all striker. It was, you know, the, the vets were like, oh, no, 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 you just go out there. And we'll work the arm. It'll be a good old school match. It's like. Dude, nobody wants to see that. Nobody showed up here tonight to see a match where we work the arm and then we go into a roll-up finish. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, no nobody one gives to see a that shit in, about that. No one wanted to see that in 1986. Yeah. What was it you said, Brad? It's like Dusty Rhodes did it, but it's Dusty Rhodes doing it. It's, yeah. There's... Like, Dusty Rhodes could sit in the ring in a chair reading from the phone book, and he would probably be more entertaining than the vet trying to work yeah. the arm. There's there's some the people Indies. who can do it, but not many. And 
because you mentioned like Jerry Lawler and you were like, but he does stuff. I'm like, yeah, because they would be, he would have a chain and he'd be hiding it from the ref and they'd be doing all this like, yeah, back and forth about it. And it's Jerry Lawler. So, you know, he makes it interesting just by being Jerry Lawler. There was, uh, when I was in college, I had some very well-meaning friends for my birthday and they got me a, a DVD and it was, check this name, if you recognize this compilation name, it was The Undertaker, He Buries Them Alive compilation. Oh, I think I know it. I think I think I remember this one. Yeah, oh my gosh. It is full of matches that do nothing. <laughs> and one of them is The Undertaker's in the ring, and Jerry Lawler straight up screws around for eight minutes doing the whole hide the chain bit, except he didn't even have a chain to do it with. He's just like hiding a closed hand and like telling people, shushing people and telling them not to say anything and stuff. And on one hand, it's just like, Oh God, why'd they put this on a compilation? But on the other hand, I got to appreciate Lawler was good enough to, to get people bought in. Of people being mad that he had his hand clenched in a fist and told them not to say anything, right? But here, this man, it just, you have you have these guys who you would expect an utter banger out of, but the crowd is tired and... They're tired. They're tired and uh, you, all the air is sucked out of the building for this. Yeah, that's that's the the biggest thing, I think, is. It's just. And they don't <sighs> want to do anything because like Dustin and and Barry know they have to go another like 20 minutes. after. Minutes. Yeah. And yeah. and Hase and Hashimoto are probably just like, eh, we just want to go home and these guys have to work like. You know a long they have a long way to go after this and we you know want to go easy on them see here's the thing gordy williams versus koloff steamboat that drag fest we just got through was 21 minutes and 39 seconds there are this match was 14 minutes 55 seconds. we had a 22 minute match and a 15 minute match that just drug ass. This is a seven match card and four of the seven matches go over 19 minutes and one goes yeah. over 17 minutes. Like this is a, this is a poorly paced, like long ass show. <laughs> the shortest match on the card was Hase and Hashimoto versus the Freebirds, And amusingly, it feels like we could almost make the case that Jimmy Garvin didn't want to work that long. See, yeah. <laughs> And see, like, where, where the shows I've actually had fun going to live, like, for me, like, those shows are usually, like, eight matches. Two of them are over ten minutes, and the rest are five to eight minutes. That's, like, and, what a show should be. And they're different. Yeah. They're, they're, there's different stuff happening. But... But, like, your main event should be, like, ten to twenty minutes. Like, you should have another, like, one between big names go, like... 10 to 15 maybe if you're getting a little dangerous you can have your opener go 10 and then the rest should just be 
Because the problem is, like, with this show is when everything's going long, then you're just like, well, I'm just going to check out for 15 minutes because everything's going. Yeah. This is kind of what happened to All Japan in the late 90s where the crowds are just like, well, um, nothing's worth responding to until it's... um. We ain't 20 minutes in, ain't nothing of, of logic, gonna, or ain't nothing of importance going to happen. Yeah, because um, I was listening to DiBiase talk about Mid-South, and he he said something interested, interesting that Watts had them do, you know, before he was out of touch. He's like, okay, like, I want you guys to go Broadway, except you're going to do a finish at 55 minutes just to, like, keep people on their toes. You've got to mix it up. If you don't mix it up, then and I nobody you, cares. I will tell you the chiefest thing um, where you need to mix it up is two out of three falls match. Sometimes someone just has to take two straight falls. Yeah. To keep yeah. you honest. Yeah. And and one of them could be real quick. One of them could be like, you know, we're doing we're doing stuff, we're doing stuff, unexpected, whack, there you go, get the quick pin on it. Because why not? I mean. It, it happens in every other storytelling and or competitive medium. It happens all the time. If it, if it never happens, if it never – we just said it. If it never ever happens, nobody going to care. Honestly, when Liger was at his height, a lot of times when he would job, he would job in sub-five-minute matches. Wow. I don't know why, but I didn't expect that. A lot of times you saw him job in a juniors match, he'd get beat real quick. Were they telling the story that if it goes longer, he, he's like using conditioning to out, outlast them? or? I think they're usually trying to build someone. I think the idea was like, why work a 20-minute match and have him lose when they can just run him over in four minutes and pick up the win? Fair. Fair enough. So I, yeah, I mean, I see, I can see it both ways, but I think sometimes, yeah, just, just get it over just, with quick. Just, yeah, get it done. So let's go on to something happier. So now up next <laughs> we have Sting defending the world title against Vader in a really good match. And um, I'd say Vader is so good that it kind of hurts his heat sometimes. This, this match maybe remember how much. I was into Vader and how good Vader was mm-hmm. because again, I got into wrestling at this time and I didn't really know the body of work of Vader at the time. And obviously he had much bigger body of work after the fact, but I didn't really fully appreciate him at the time. I appreciate him now more with, you know, 20 more years of experience, but it made me just realize how goddamn good he was. And I had a thought about it in watching this, uh, in watching him, at times maul sting yeah uh vader for those like if you want really a comparison uh and this isn't a perfect comparison because i feel like he's kind of been like nerfed a little bit at this point but vader at the time was basically the 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 prototype for brock lester just a big monster who goes in there and he's mauling people yeah and he's almost like a force of nature and that's kind of where brock at times has become he's just like uh, nowadays it's like depending upon who he faces you know if they want to 
you know, have him basically go in there and maul like Kofi Kingston in like 10 seconds. They'll do yeah. that. Uh, they'll have him, you know, count the lights for Seth Rollins. Uh, but otherwise, he can go in there and just beat the shit out of Cody Rhodes uh, for a while. It, it, it's depending upon the one. But back then, like he Vader was basically the prototypical Brock Lesnar in the sense that he was just this big, uh, monstrous, raw-boned guy that just is throwing people around. He's super strong. He's demolishing people. He went up for that suplex like he weighed 100 pounds. That's yeah. a but yeah, Vader Brock wishes. And I think Brock is bad. Like Brock wishes that he was as agile as Vader and he could sell as cuz Vader at times like sold his ass off for Sting. And you're right, like he went up for Sting like a lot of times. And and this and it's also like this match is actually a testament to Sting too. Well, you like could how tell, good Sting was. You could tell like, I actually think it kind of hurt his aura, but you could tell Vader was giddy that he had someone that could do, like, everything like Sting could. Yeah, and uh, this and this isn't even the best, like, Vader-Sting match. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there was a lot of better stuff later on, but... I, They're, um, the, the, um, bull, wait, no, what is it? The chain match or whatever? The four-corner, like, I think it's a bull rope match is probably their best one, I think. Yeah. I... Mm-hmm. Uh, for the knock on Sting back in the day was always like, oh, Sting's not that. Sting was never really that good. It's like, no, he was. He's better than he. Honestly, going back and watching this stuff, he's better than he gets credit for. He is. Uh, and and that's going back to like we because we reviewed it like the Sting, uh, like half Flair, the, Cat Clash match was obviously like a, a classic one. Half the people on this card are dead, and he's still wrestling at a high level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but. This match, the this match with Vader, and obviously Vader is like a world class uh, worker and one of the best big men of you consider him a big man or just a hoss of all time. Uh, but this this was something like on another level. Like it's it just really a really good match, and, and to his credit, like it made it made both guys look great. Like it made Vader look like a monster. It made Sting, Sting look like a monster. Yeah, yeah, that that Sting could not beat. Although there was a little chicanery where. We're seeing like did the splash uh, into the turnbuckle yeah. post, uh, and then Vader just like you know, finished him off shortly after that. But it did make Vader like look like um like massively because Stink tried to put like pull everything all the stops, put him down, couldn't do it. Uh, but it also made Vader look good because it's like yeah he like he was eating all Sting the world champion. He was like eating all of his punishment and still coming back. Yeah. Like, made, this is an awesome match. An but it awesome made Sting match. look like a monster because he was giving it to the monster, like, almost as good as he was taking it for a while. Yeah. I, like you said, Matt, the, the big turning point was that <clears throat> Sting overshot the splash, and that gave Vader the opening. But you had that spot right before the end where Sting picks up Vader and a fireman's carry off the turnbuckle. That's an amazing spot. Yes. And he's walking and like, look, he's holding him up there like that. And the, the scuttlebutt was that before and after before every match sting would do like a hundred free squats. So, you know, full well, the guy had just incredible leg strength. So he walks it out there, but then he starts selling, just carrying the weight of big van Vader and shaking and that, and I, you know, selling it huge selling is not just when you get hit selling is 
putting like telling the story with whatever you're doing and he does the Samoan drop and it does not get the finish. Like the, the fact that part of the story is that sting put too much into doing that and he didn't have anything left in the tank for Vader to, uh, and then Vader does, Vader doesn't even do a power bomb. Like the other day, I don't know what rabbit hole ended up going down, but like the awesome bomb that Mike Awesome did, where it was just the up over the shoulder. That's supposed to be what a thunder firebomb is. That's what Vader does here. He doesn't just power bomb. He like brings him all the way and then draw. Like this match is really, really good. I um and I went down a Vader rabbit hole too for some of his cells, and uh-huh. um, I saw him take a choke slam from Akira Tawe, and then he did a. He did like the midair spinny cell off of um a Stan Hansen lariat. Yeah. Like he did the flip cell. Oh wow. Yeah. And I think that might have been the match he lost his eye in too. Oh, good lord. Yeah. I I'd have to go back and watch it. I didn't think they got that far in that match. When but... I I sent you guys the gif of him taking the Frankensteiner from Scott Steiner and he took that yeah. better than guys that weigh like Oh yeah. Yeah. 180 pounds. I want to also reach back to something you guys said about Sting not getting credit, saying he wasn't that good. I think part of it is that I know I have praised Dustin Rhodes for this before of doing more with less. Sting was good enough to be able to have really good matches without having to do a whole bunch of stuff all the time. And like in this match, it didn't make sense for Sting to be doing a bunch of moves because it didn't fit the story. Now I will was... say, I will say the one thing I, I would need to, to think about in my brain is um, Luger in this era, I think might've been better than Sting. He obviously lost it when he did all that stupid bodybuilding stuff and like the way the WWF used him. But there's a lot of subtleties to Luger and like the handle on his character that I think is better than Sting. And like, um, Luger is way better than he gets credit for. Like Sting, Sting gets unfairly villainized, but like Luger really gets the shaft on his quality of work. I, I don't know if I'd put Luger over Sting, but in this, I do. In this era, I still don't know if I would do that, but I generally would agree with you that, especially after you watching like some of these '91, uh, early '92 shows with Luger, like Luger was much better than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. No, he was legitimately good, like very legitimately good. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so was Sting here. Like he, I think Sting's biggest asset to being good is how smart he is about how he works his matches. I mean, one of his biggest spots is a running, jumping splash in the corner. Like that's not something that's going to wear, you know, put that much wear on his body to do. And he's able to work it, but, um, you know, he was just really smart about what he did and how he worked matches. And it comes through here. He's really good at incorporating, like, who he's working with, too. Yeah, very adaptable. And his matches are never really the same. I can't remember which show it was, but there was a show that we did a while back. And it had a Sting Vader match, but the story on it was an evolution that Sting's strategy for this match was to 
basically get Vader to punch himself out and wear himself out so Sting could mm-hmm. beat him. And he had different matches against people doing that. Like that, that to me is a mark of a of a, a great worker. Like, but he's such a classic baby face that we really don't get much of anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, looking at like the the Sting Vader matches, uh, the best one actually might be the Sting Vader King of Cable match from Starcade '92. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one is legit. I know we, we had this whole discussion about how we don't like snowflake stuff on here. I probably would give that one like five stars. We should, just, we should just do like uh after this, we should just do the other Sting Invader matches. <laughs> I'm like, I'm always down for either guy. <laughs> but man, like this is just like, this is just a hard hit, you know? And I was thinking today too, like if Vader wrestled in this era, that, that motherfucker would probably be doing like a 450 or like a shooting star press. Instead of a moonsault. Probably. Uh, he probably could, but I don't know that he he would have to. Underrated great per- performance was him on Boy Meets World, too. Oh, that's, you know what, that's true. I remember watching that one. Because he's not just, like, being himself. He's actually having, like, conversations with Ethan Supley as part of it and that sort of thing. Like... There's a father-son dynamic at play there. That, and they're using stock footage of Jake the Snake for him to have a match with Jake. Quote-unquote, have a match with Jake. They probably hired Jake and he was too drunk to perform. Maybe someone knew better than that. Well, look, just pay Jake and use the stock footage. You yeah. don't want to get into this. <laughs> do, you, do you really want Ryder Strong around the kind of stuff that Jake Roberts does. Cause I submit Here, that you don't let me show you. Let me show you a little pay-per-view called heroes of wrestling. Yeah. Oh, God, you had to bring that back up, Brad. I'm, I'm I think that happened. I think that episode aired before it did, yeah. but you didn't have to bring that back up. I so, just shuddered a little bit. So let's just, let's just put this, this one to bed. Okay. So the main event for the NWA world tag team titles uh, Terry Gordy and Steve Williams versus Dusty Rhodes and Barry Windham, and this fucking sucked. There was a point. There was a point because this is 21 minutes. I'm like, this this is going on a long time. I bet I'm getting close to the end. I only got a couple more minutes. I was 10 minutes in. I'm like, dear God. Yeah. I, when it started, I I looked at the the progress bar. And then I paused it, and then I just ran the cursor along the progress bar to see how far along the finish was, what looked like the finish. And I was like, oh, oh, If you're expecting something exciting, it does not exist in this match, because I would say Williams and Gordy are on offense for about 85% of the match, and about 80% of that 85% is all limb work. Again. And and Dustin is taking the heat for more than ten minutes, I think. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah. And the crowd is deader than dead. Yeah, they are they are worn out. I'm surprised they didn't leave. Like maybe that was more taboo in that era. Well, I, if I paid for the seat, I'm gonna sit there till the end and see what happens. But maybe there's a vague hope that. 
Dustin and Wyndham would win. But you can tell, too. You can tell, like, Dustin and Wyndham aren't tired, necessarily, but you can tell they've just been working a long time, and they're just, they just want to get it over with. There's a difference between tired and worn out, I think. Yeah, and you can tell, like, Williams <laughs> and Gordy are just kind of the same way. They're just like, we've been working a long time. And not doing the stuff we wanted yeah. to do. <laughs> and you can tell, you can tell Ross and Ventura just like we don't even know what to do. Like they're just not giving us anything. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's just not a good match. It just it's long, it's long, it's plotting. It, it just there's no point at this. Like it, it should this this is where it's like I don't understand the booking. I really don't understand the booking. Uh, you wouldn't let the guys that are like really a good tag team and good wrestlers, you wouldn't let them do the stuff that they can do. Mm-hmm. And you pace this thing so it's like 30 minutes long or 20 minutes long, however long it was. It felt like 30 if it wasn't. I mean, it, Wyndham and Rhodes worked 55 minutes and Williams and Gordy worked 42 minutes. Look, maybe on this if, show. If, this, if the backstory to all of this is that, yeah, like – they they brought in Bill Watts to cut costs. It's like okay, you, you still have some guys in the contract that you, you could have you could have cut the matches for all the stuff and just throw in a couple more matches in there. You know, it, have like a Brad Armstrong <laughs> versus somebody match. I don't know. You could have had a couple more matches than that to, to like give these guys more of a break and, and not wear out the crowd like you were doing. And chop five minutes off of some of this stuff. Like, and yeah. like you said, put why couldn't like Johnny be bad versus um, like Scotty Flamingo been on here for eight minutes or something? Yeah, I, I don't understand. Like, there is so much dead air that I have to believe someone in the back looked around and went, this ain't working, but nobody called an audible. There's, there's no way that I believe that they went through this whole thing and everybody's like, yeah, this is working great. Like Rhodes and Wyndham may had to have come in the back and been like, man, this, this ain't working, but I don't know. It wasn't there. It just, it was not good. And like, so, um, this is very WCW though, because they were on such a hot streak, and you can just feel, you can just feel the promotion like screeching to a halt. Yeah, yeah. But man, like this, this show, I was really, I was really on the fence if I was gonna say thumbs in the middle, leaning down, or just saying thumbs down. And the more I was like bitching about, it, I'm like, you know what? I'm convincing myself this is just a straight thumbs down show. I don't think I can give it a thumbs down because the opening tag and Sting Vader are both really good, like four stars. That's that's where good. I struggled with it. But like the bad stuff was so bad. Like to me, like the bad was like everything else was so boring and so bad. Like it drowned out those two good things. Well, I those two matches were good. And I felt like the the first, like the Wyndham, uh, Rhodes, Rude, Austin match was actually good too. Mm-hmm. Like so that those three matches, like two genuinely good to great matches, like great. Like a four star, I think it's to me it's great. 
maybe not classic of all time, but it's it's great. Like if you were to do a best of WCW for the nineties, like those two matches would probably be on there for me. Yeah. Uh, they are really really good to great. Uh, and the the that other tag was like good. That's enough to give it, I guess, like thumbs in the middle. But really, it's like I'm telling you what matches are actually worth your time. Yeah. So just if you're gonna watch it, watch those matches because the 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 two that I'd rate four stars are I feel legit great and like yeah, they're, they're, they're worth going out of your time to go see. But you can but find those outside, on YouTube, I bet. Yeah, but outside of the other tag, which is like I wouldn't necessarily like hunt it down. It's like if you're if you're firing up the show. Then yeah, like you can watch the opening tag, fast forward a bit, watch that other tag, fast forward to Sting Vader, and then shut it off. It's like outside of that, those three stuff not worth your time. Yeah, you, you will regret watching the two <laughs> Miracle Violence Connection matches because I, I was like, I can't be drunk for this show, so I have to power through this main event like before the show. I, I wanted to see Miracle Violence Connection in full form. Because through all my stuff, I've never gotten to see, like, full matches of them at full tilt. And I still haven't. I, I'm kind of like Matt. It's, I'm going to, there's, I'm going to, there's a thumbs up, thumbs down, and thumbs in the middle. Or I need to find a way to say it of, like, cherry picking out the stuff that's worth your time. Because the stuff that's on here that's good, absolutely worth your time. The rest of it is not. And you're asking me to take things that were just great to watch and balance them against things that were just drudgery to watch. How am I supposed to balance those scales? Like, I don't watch the whole show. No, like Matt said, just, just pluck out those matches that are, that are good and watch them and choose to believe that great American bash 92 was those and not, not the rest of like re- sub reject reality and substitute your own. Cause we'll all be happier, but um, no, I just don't, don't watch the whole thing. Man, we, we suffered on your behalf. Okay. I, I have to say, like, I don't know how the rest of their, their run goes, but I'm going to have to say the miracle violence connection, like to this point in their run. Cause I imagine we've seen like most of their work so far. Like they've just been a, nothing I guess them killing the O'Days is the high point of their their career in WCW so far it has not impressed me this run has not impressed me I know full well that um, I can't judge their whole runoff you know their entire body of work off of it they're gone by October so there's not much more to their run but this, this right here, um, no, it's, it's, this, I'm not impressed by this run. Not in, uh, not in WCW. Yeah. They were better elsewhere. It's, it's really yeah. quite, really quite sad. Yeah. They're trying to make them something they're not. They want them to be like these legit athletes to go against like the Steiners, I think, and they're just not great in that role. Like they're not bad in it, but they're not like it's it's not 
fair. It's like I said, you don't, it'd be like having Steve Austin in the Attitude Era do like mat work all the time. Yeah. So that is the end of um, <laughs> Dangerous Alliance WCW. It kind of goes out with a whimper. How bad is it that we get to the end of it and it's just like, it's just this like pause and this sigh and it's like, well, I guess we're done with that. Well, that NWA tournament like went over like a wet fart, I think. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so I, weird. They're treating the NWA like it means something and you can tell by 92 it doesn't mean it a damn thing anymore yeah yeah it, it it i don't know man it this it is it's disappointing like all the names that are involved in this and the expectations and that sort of thing like it's disappointing it shows how easy it is to kill a hot streak yeah yeah. And we just watched WWE do the do it too. But they they more directly did it. But this is how it's easy to see how like <clears throat> how easy it is for a promotion to like get out of the doldrums and go right back down with a couple of bad choices. This one I think is hubris because there is so much faith in the guys in the matches that you're like, yeah, we'll just have them do this and it'll be fine. Because if you had, you know, we were talking about Rhodes Wyndham versus Austin Rude, and it's like, yeah, that was that was fine. I, I think it would be, it would damn near be impossible to put those four in a ring together and have it be bad. Like there's just there's just too much talent and too much intelligence and that sort of stuff. But to just say, oh, we're gonna have these guys work together and we're gonna have these matches tonight. And just saying, oh, it'll be fine. Um, that's you're you're leaning way too hard without considering context. So I don't know. I, I'd write it off to hubris. All right. Whew. That that was. It's a shame that the Dangerous Alliance series ended that way, but that's where we are. So. Um. Looking back, you guys said, you know, the most consistently good thing to see in this, what, Pillman, I think it was? Yeah, I'd say Pillman. And the most consistently bad thing has just been our our, our growing intense hatred of, of Jimmy Garvin. Jimmy Garvin was the worst. <laughs> consistently bad. <laughs> yeah. I will consistently. say, through like the first five or six shows... Um, Abdullah was my MVP because he was consistently hilarious. <laughs> he just looks so happy about committing violence all the time. Like him, um, I think it's still my favorite moment from the whole thing is him just beating the piss out of Buddy Lee Parker for like 10 minutes with a broom. Yeah. Like to the point like where it's like, well, it's getting kind of old. And then him like doing more. It's like, okay, it's funny again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It turned around into running gag, but And I think he, he rid us of Missy Hyatt when he threw her in the the water. I don't think she ever showed up again. Oh god. No, no, she showed up again after that. Oh, okay. She just she wasn't it was her just doing like 
backstage interview spots. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, Cause I forgot she, we, we, we didn't do super brawl at the time, but she was heavily involved in like who the ninja person was or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, everybody, um, thank you for joining us. Uh, if this is your first episode with us, sorry, uh, <laughs> go back and get, pick up the dangerous Alliance thing. You can understand why we're so let down. Go watch Beach um, Blast, which was like the pay-per-view before this and was a masterpiece. I can't believe this was the follow-up. Yeah, yeah. Highs and lows, highs and lows. So anyway, everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode. We would love to hear from you on social media, um, mainly Twitter, but maybe some Instagram too, that sort of stuff. Um, we're judging on what's going to be coming down the pike next, and we we haven't made the definitive call yet. We're working on it, but hey, everybody. We appreciate you listening. So this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we'll catch you next time.